Welcome to the show today. I have a very special treat for you. A wonderful colleague named Leslie Carson. And Leslie resides in Pennsylvania. I think you'll enjoy the show today. There's something about Leslie that is so real, so authentic. And at the same time, she has this ability to find joy, to find hope, to find that deep, deep inner peace, even when things aren't perfect. I think so many times we look at life as a all or none type of thing that if it's going badly, I can't have any joy. Or if it's going really well, nothing bad can happen. And I think really life is a tapestry where all the time joy and suffering is simultaneously happening. And we are self-empowered to decide how we want to experience any given moment. And as you'll hear Leslie and I talk about, it's not a spiritual bypassing. It is what the teachings of yoga tell us. It's the promise of Patanjali's Yoga Sutra that through regulation of your nervous system, through these eight limbs of yoga, the eight limbs being how you treat people, how you take care of yourself, yoga postures, breathing exercises, drawing your senses inward, and then eventually getting into a meditative state. It's through that process that we gain the inner resources to feel better more of the time. It's not perfect, but feel better more of the time and maybe even have access to that joy that as the daily habit of getting yourself an inch closer, an inch closer, a little inch closer to contentment, to hope, to joy, that slowly over time, you shape your mind and you shape your nervous system to be in that state more often. And then you may fall back and have a time where you have a six-week period that is crushing. We all have this. But again, you go back to your yoga practice, back to your daily tools, and try to inch your way back to joy. And I love that that is Leslie's mission is to help people figure out how to do that. It's not all or none. It's little teeny inches, little teeny efforts, five minutes here, three minutes there. Leslie has a wonderful series on Instagram that I love. She's doing 52 weeks. Let me see if I can find it for you. It's called on Instagram, yoga for you with Leslie. Here's what it looks like for those of you watching the YouTube version of this. And she's doing a year of tools for a more joyful life. And each week, she just gives a tiny little tool. I was listening this morning, and she was just teaching a simple breath exercise with some movement. And I thought, that's manageable. People can do that instead of thinking you have to drive to a studio, pay a big fee, have the perfect yoga mat and the perfect yoga tights and all of that. No, you can do this sitting on your deck in your backyard. You can do this laying in your bed. You can do this sitting in your car, waiting for your kids to come out of school. There's so much that we can do to just bring ourselves a little bit closer day by day by day. So I am very happy to share this interview with you and share Leslie with you. And at the very end, after we stopped the interview, Leslie and I talked about what is a secret of yoga that you want everyone to know? And she said, yoga can help you find your superpowers so that you can give that away to help the world. That's a big promise. Yoga can help you find your superpowers so that you can then give it away to the world. I love that. That's something we should all all reflect on. And I think the way that that happens is the closer we come towards having a balanced nervous system and having daily routines in our day and figuring out ways to kind of build up our internal resources, we'll make good decisions. Not that we can control everything in life, but we can steer the boat a little bit. And we will start to understand our true nature. This is the promise of Patanjali. You'll understand your true nature. You'll know what to say yes to. You'll know what to say no to. You'll realize when you've let your boundaries get crossed or whether you've made a choice that is not going to serve you and your loved ones. And you'll be able to back out of that gracefully without harm. So it's 
not expecting perfection. It's not having this totally perfect life. It's just about, can I feel a little bit better in any given moment? And how can I take my trajectory in a new, very conscious direction for however many moments or hours or years I have left on the planet? So happy to introduce you to our guest today, and I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour. My name is Amy Wheeler, and I'm your host. The Yoga Therapy Hour is here to support you on your mental, emotional, and spiritual journey. We talk about things like nervous system regulation, spiritual connection, how to be more involved in your community, how to communicate well, how to manage your mental health. There are so many things that we are excited to share with you in season five of the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast, and we hope that you will share it with your friends, family, colleagues. All right, let's get into today's episode. Welcome, Leslie. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Thank you, Amy. I'm, I am just honored to be with you. So Leslie, tell us where you are on the planet. I am in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which is about equidistant between New York City and Philadelphia. Pretty rural area. Great. I love it. Yes, I was looking on your website and you know, looking at a map and it looked like you were close to New Jersey somewhat or I can see New Jersey right across the river, yes. Okay, that's a <laughs> But it it also looked very rural. So I was like, wow, this is a nice location. It's beautiful. Thank you. You're in a beauty place too, even though it's snowing out right now. (laughs) I almost didn't make the the interview. We had another snowstorm here in Southern California. We're ready for winter to end. (laughs) So Leslie, you and I have a mutual passion, which we're going to talk about today. That is mental health and yoga for joyful living. So let's just start off with why is that topic important to you? What is it about that made you want to talk about this with me today? It's a major point of why I teach. I grew up with parents who were both depressed and I experienced depression in myself. And yoga brought me out of that depression in a way that's sustainable is so extraordinary that beyond the structural, musculoskeletal, physiological benefits of yoga, which as we know are all connected, the feeling of waking up in the morning and knowing that my yoga practice will bring me to a steady, grounded, peaceful place to deal with whatever mood I happen to wake up with or whatever situation comes to me during the day, that I can handle it from this place of relative joy in just waking up and breathing and looking out the window and seeing a bird and seeing the grass and not letting these external things mess with me. (laughs) No matter what comes, I can connect with this unchanging part of myself, which is, as my teacher would say, pure joy (laughs) and move forward with whatever comes. And I want to share that with the world because everybody has that capability to connect with that something beyond ego self, beyond external input, that there's this inner peaceful place that's available. So that's what I'm focusing on because if you walk around smiling most of the time, feeling grounded, feeling connected to other human beings and to nature, it just makes life and every day nicer. I love that. I have the same thing. A lot of times I'll wake up in the early, early morning hours, either with dread that I have too much planned for the day, or I'll wake up and maybe have some anxiety about something or just generalized anxiety. And if I do a yoga nidra at four o'clock in the morning, my entire physiology changes, my mood changes, my outlook, my perspective, 
And that is magic to me. I mean, so many people don't know that exists, that there are free tools. Sometimes you pay for them, but there's also a lot of free ones out there that can help you shift so dramatically in 30 minutes and set your entire day in a new trajectory. And I don't know why the whole world isn't doing that every single day. Ditto. Exactly. It is magic and it can be free. You can learn a few things and then employ them and you've got them in your back pocket or in your night table or in your wherever, anytime you need them. That's the beauty of this. You don't need me or you after a certain amount of experience to use that forever for your whole life. You know, I I feel so strongly about this that I'm creating, I think I'll release it in June. So maybe by the time this podcast comes out, it will be released, but I'm doing a 12 day free yoga nidra challenge where you can get 12 days of yoga nidra sent to you. And because I want everyone to experience that, it is cool that something like that, you can make it once and then offer it as a gift. So that's what we're talking about. So can you take us all the way back to when you started yoga though? Because I was reading that you are a young mom and you were having a really hard time. Can you take us all the way back there to how you were feeling and, and sure. how you discovered this? Yes. So I was an old mom. I had my first kid when I was 34. So <laughs> relatively young compared to now, but anybody who has two toddlers or more knows how draining that can be. And I'd been doing yoga through tapes with Eric Schiffman and Rodney Yee. So I was familiar, but I went to a class at a gym that had daycare for kids. And I put my little one in there and she was a senior teacher from India. And she brought me to a place in a forward bend that the inner peace I had never felt before, something really transformative. And the truth is, the kid room was right next door to the yoga studio. I could hear my kid yelling. And I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm breathing. I'm here. He'll be fine. It was just extraordinary. And it just grew from, from there. This is real. This is magic. This is magic. It really does feel like magic, I think, for so many of us. I mean, we hear a similar story over and over and over. How did you get into yoga? And people say, I went to this gym and... I had this experience that I couldn't explain and I had never felt that way before. And so I think be something with the breath, something with the prana beginning to flow that maybe our autonomic nervous system comes into a regulated state. Our mind gets a little bit more clear, but it really does feel like 5,000 year old or more magic. Yeah. So you had that first experience in an asana class, it sounds like. Yeah. What tool? Like now, I don't know how many years later this is. <laughs> decades later, maybe. Yes. Uh, what is the tool that, I mean, I assume you probably still do some asana. Maybe not. I don't know. But oh, what, yes. What is the main tool that you find helps you come into that joyful state? Well, I just want to say that I know this works and I know the power of it because when I don't do it, all of that old stuff can begin to come back. So meaning feeling sad, feeling depressed, feeling hopeless, helpless, blaming other people, wanting to eat things I shouldn't, or wanting to shop for things I don't need. All those kind of external to make me feel better stuff starts to come back if I don't practice. So I'm a daily practice girl. And my practice usually comprises of writing in a journal. I don't know if you know the artist's way, but she those three pages of morning pages of just mind dumping. And then I go to my asana practice and I know the kind of practice I need because I just wrote down, how do I feel? How much time do I have? What am I doing next? Where do I need to shift things? Is something hurting me? Is my attitude bad? All that. And then I develop a practice and it could be 10 minutes. It could be an hour and a half. Where do I need to be to get me to where I need to be next? So asana, a little pranayama, and some meditation, depending on the amount of time and where I'm at, is a regular practice for me. And it is magic. 
It is truly magic. And how did you learn what is that you need? I mean, there is obviously a lot of theory behind why you would choose certain asanas or why you would choose certain breath techniques or objects of meditation. Did you learn that through your training in Vinyoga? Yes. Yeah. Well, through my Vinyoga training and of course, through my 250 hours with you and optimal state for mental health, I learned a lot more tools. So it's been a journey and it continues to be, you know, we all learn new things every day, but learning a huge toolbox. This is my toolbox. Can you see it? Goodness. For those of you not watching on YouTube, you can see this on YouTube, but if you're just listening, it's like a toolbox from a hardware store where it's of drawers and it's about two feet wide by maybe a foot and a half tall. It looks like about 20 little drawers. And then on the drawers, it says breath, movement, journaling, philosophy, ritual, stillness, meditation. And what are in the drawers that are in the middle? These are bonus tools. Okay. Little things like this one says, smile at other people. Like an angel card. Yeah. So I really feel... Like I have this vast toolbox, like you would go, I don't know if you like hardware stores, but I love hardware stores and especially old <laughs> no, I ones. Don't. You don't? Okay. But, but, but well, tell, tell me, maybe I can start to enjoy those it. Those of you out there who do, some of the older hardware stores have these little wooden cabinets or metal ones. There's little teeny tools, little, little screws and fasteners and things in these little tiny drawers. And I feel like when I wake up, I have to say, all right, what have I got? And what do I need to build to go into the next phase of my day? And so I go into these tools and I say, well, I need a little of that. And I need a little of this. And I need a little of that. And I do the same thing with my clients. Where are they? And what tools do they need to bring themselves to the state that they desire? And they start to have their own toolbox. So in the beginning, they have maybe three or four tools, but over time they build their own little toolbox so that when they wake up, they say, "Mm, what do I need today? What am I feeling? What do I need to adjust? Where am I going next? Am I going to bed or am I going to a meeting or am I, whatever I'm doing next, where do I need to be? And what tools do I need to get me there? And so that's, the way I do my own practice. And that's the way I try to help my clients develop their own practices so that they can develop a daily practice of their own at home using their own toolbox. And I think this is what differentiates yoga slash yoga therapy from something maybe like Buddhist meditation. We have a check-in to see where we are and acknowledge how we're feeling, which is also what we might do in a mindfulness meditation. But then I think the difference with a daily yoga practice is exactly what you said. Where am I now? Where do I want to get to? And what tools are going to get me there? So there is that initial acceptance of right here, right now. But then there's also this movement that is going to happen, we hope. Anything you want to add to that? Just the acknowledgement that going from growth of the movement and the breath to then more subtle to just sitting breath practice or pranayama practice to then a silent meditation of some sort, I think is such a beautiful tool as opposed to going about my day, doing my what I got to do, and then just sitting and meditating. That it's very hard to do that. And that this sequence, and you can add chanting and mudra and all so many other tools to get you to that place by the time you're seated and wanting to meditate silently, your mind is really in a much stiller place than when you came out of your life and started your practice. I think the name of your business, Yoga For You, you in the kind of red letters, (laughs) it's you're taking someone where they are and helping them understand these are the types of things that might help you on your journey when you're feeling this way. When you're feeling anxious, you're going to need different tools than when you're feeling depressed. Yes. So when people come and ask you, 
what are some reasonable outcomes I can expect? I mean, I don't think they're going to say it in those words, but they're essentially saying, why would I invest in figuring out the tools that are going to work for my system, my mind, my heart, my body, my life situation, my challenges? What can they expect from meeting with someone like you and a lot of us out here? I keep coming back to that word empowerment. Mm. To have something that you can do, even if people are watching you in a grocery store, or if you're anxious in your car, like you don't have to have special clothes. You don't have to be bendy or flexible. As long as you are conscious and can breathe and have a desire to feel better, yoga is there for you. And you are empowered to adjust how you feel, how you respond to circumstances using these tools of breath and movement and meditation and philosophy. And you don't have to rely on an external fixer, even if it's a pill or someone manipulating your body or a one-on-one counseling session. Those are all great for certain things. This is just an additional tool that you have available to you all the time for free in your back pocket to bring yourself to a better state of body and mind. It's really remarkable. It's the bomb as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) I want to read in addition to all of that, which I agree with and is lovely. I want to read what you wrote to me. The things that people could expect are to be more connected to themselves and their inner feelings to learn to use the tools of yoga to notice imbalance before it gets too severe, then to connect the imbalance with some dysfunctional thought patterns or behavior patterns, you could learn to avoid and replace those things. Finally, with practice to discover the yoga tools that bring you back to your balance and to your joy. That's a huge promise and it's 100% available to all of us. Yes. Revolutionary. Yeah. The magic. It's the bomb. So we were talking beforehand because I think this message that yoga promises us, frankly, I mean, you look at Patanjali's Yoga Sutras and it flat out says, now we begin yoga. Here's the definition of yoga. It's to bring you home to your true nature. Here's the good things that will happen if you do it. And here's the things that will happen in your mind if you don't do it. Those are the first five sutras. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, that's the message. That's it. That's Those are the only five sutras you need. On the other hand, as mm-hmm. we were talking beforehand, there are people with much higher allostatic load, meaning life is so darn hard that it's almost like carrying around a hundred pound backpack all day, every day. And to have the inner resources to even, number one, learn all these tools and technologies. Number two, to remember that you have them when you're so overwhelmed and stressed and maybe haven't eaten or don't have shelter or have had structural and systemic difficulties for years and years and years. Sometimes, I mean, I know for me, as privileged as I am, there's a lot of times I just don't even have the inner resources to remember to do all of this. So I think we need to acknowledge that even though this is the promise of yoga, it doesn't mean it's easy. That is true. It is not easy. It takes consistent practice. It takes the ability to have access to it. I mean, that bottom of the pyramid of basic needs of shelter, clothing, food, some sort of comfort is necessary for all of us. But as we also talked about, there are ways to ease even catastrophic circumstances so that you're not way out of control or can gain some sort of self-empowerment over your circumstances. It's a degree of a better, a little better, maybe. I loved when you said that, a little better. I mean, in some ways you could even flip that and say, if you or I or someone is really struggling and doesn't have the privilege that we do, maybe even more reason to share the tools and help people to use them. Because as we've been saying, they, for many people can be free. There's a lot out there on YouTube. There's a lot out there in 
gifts. And I know you go on Instagram every single week for a year and share one tool per week out of the goodness of your heart. So I think maybe to say we can't do this because we don't have privilege, I think it should be the other way that maybe that's all the more reason because it is this inner resources that any of us can tap into. Yes. And there are so many wonderful charitable organizations that are out there reaching out to underprivileged other populations that don't have yoga in their face all the time. And they're doing it in a way that they can hear it from someone that they trust, which is a beautiful thing. So, so many great people doing good things in that area. I'm just trying to get my neighbors to believe it. (laughs) One thing I wanted to ask you, and this wasn't on the question. So, you know, this is kind of ad lib, but I even have students in our program. So they've committed to learning to become a yoga therapist. And we tell them in this program, you have to have a daily practice. We'd like you to have a mentor that helps you figure out which tools are best for you. And three, four five, six months in, we have students still saying, I can't find the time for a daily practice. I don't have a regular schedule. I don't have my own space. I just can't seem to get it together. What can we tell those people? Because I think that's true for a lot of people and there must be a way. Yes. 10 minutes. I say 10 minutes a day, regular, consistent something, even if it's one posture and a little breathing and a little kind of some kind of meditation or one of those or something, even just journaling every day about how you feel and then just sitting down with it for a minute, 10 minutes a day of something. That's the ritual part that I think is so powerful and find a corner, close the door, sit in the bathtub. I mean, bathtub yoga. (laughs) Find a place to connect with your heart for a short period of time and do it almost every day. And I guarantee that you'll feel a difference in how you approach your day, how you feel towards your fellow humans, uh, how you see the world. Yeah. We had one student that she said, you know what? My, my practice began as a cup of hot water with lemon and stepping out onto my front steps and just letting the sun touch my face. She did that every day for like five minutes. And that was her practice. That beautiful. She said it shifted her whole perception of her entire day. And this is another reason I love yoga nidra. I mean, I don't get out of bed. I have my little headphones on at four o'clock in the morning to do a 30 minute yoga nidra with the whole house sleeping. It's fantastic. So there is a way I don't want to accept that we have to have a special outfit and a designated place. And it has to be quiet and same time every day. It doesn't it. That's nice if you can figure that out, but it can be something that seems very small that just shifts your mind slightly. Yes. Tiny shifts, a physics thing with just a little vector, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But over time, those tiny little shifts really make a huge transformation. And I always say that the times where I'm running like a wild woman and think I don't have time for practice, those are the times I need it more than ever because <laughs> I start to spin, my nervous system gets dysregulated. I create big messes for myself when my nervous system is dysregulated through email, through conversation, through not listening well, through sending off half finished projects, like, okay, I didn't want to give myself that ritual of 10 minutes and now look what I've done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Preventative maintenance. Absolutely. (laughs) And you go into even kind of like what I call lifestyle medicine or preventative healing, going outside, eating more, foods that what are some of the other things that you would consider part of this kind of tools and technologies that maybe aren't so traditional, like put yourself in warrior pose? Well, that, you know, that little extra, just smiling Mm -hmm. in your day when you see people, it's amazing. You know, you see somebody kind of like 
like this in the grocery store or out on the road, someone, you know, next to you and when you're driving and you just give them a smile and they smile and light comes out of them and light comes out of you and something little like that. I mean, the plant-based diet, whole food, that was a huge revelation for us as a family for many reasons. Getting outside is, I think, irreplaceable. The vastness of outside and the beauty of nature, I think, has been proven scientifically to bring the nervous system into more balance and perhaps a little more awe about what the world actually has to offer. What else? Reducing screen time. I mean, that's been shown scientifically to make us feel depressed and anxious. Yes. I encourage people, my clients, when they say, I'm so upset about the news. It's so horrible. I say, turn it off. You don't need to watch news, especially at night before you go to bed. You don't need to watch violence. You don't need to watch things that disturb and upset you. Avoid it. It's it's a better choice, in my opinion. (laughs) Especially if you're suffering from anxiety and depression. We all know the news. There is good stuff in there that we need to be aware of and be active with, but too much of it. I know when I'm exhausted and depleted, I just start doom scrolling. That's not when I need it. I I can give myself 10 minutes to see what's going on in the world in the morning with some tea or something, but I don't need more than 10 minutes to, to be like, okay, here's where we're at as humanity. (laughs) Let's get going. You know, that 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and 15 of just scrolling is not going to help any of us. No. I know you also talk about just human connection with loved ones and looking at each other's faces and hearing each other's voices. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I don't know about you, but people don't call each other anymore. Mm. And I had the most delightful experience on New Year's Day. A neighbor who I don't know really well just called and I thought, oh my gosh, what's wrong? And she got talking, you know, how are you, blah, blah, blah. But then she just said, you know, I'd like to spend more time with you this year, Leslie. My gosh. My heart was so full and I felt so appreciated and so connected to someone that I hadn't had that connection to before. And I thought, my goodness, I could do that for other people. I could just call them and say, you know, I just want you to know that I love you and I'm thinking about you and how are you doing and how much more energy is exchanged in that kind of a thing than texting somebody or when you actually get a hug after all this COVID no hugging stuff. I think a lot of us are, are just hungry for physical connection with people that we love irreplaceable. And even this kind of thing that you and I are doing now face-to-face, so much better than a text, so much more connection and that somebody sees you. I agree. I'm going to take it one step further. Every Tuesday, I have a call at 4.30 PM with three other friends. We talk every single Tuesday. I mean, occasionally one of us can't come. Every Wednesday, I have a one hour call with my best friend and I have made a commitment to calling my dad every single day and it's transformational. We only talk three minutes or 10 minutes. Sometimes it's a little longer, but to hear each other's voices every single day is huge. And I can say I'm so much happier since I added these kind of bookmarks into my week. And then, you know, occasional calls with this friend or that friend or family member on top of that. But I know that I'm going to give and receive empathy and feel connection every Tuesday, Wednesday from my friends. And then with my dad every day. That's beautiful. You're a lucky girl to have that many good friends to connect with. You know, I didn't used to Leslie. I have a funny story to tell about. I, I just want to give inspiration to people because, you know, my whole life, I'm now realizing that I'm been a little neurodiverse. I was never good at making friends. I was never good at keeping friendships. And I just decided one day, like, I want to find my people, the people who will accept me as I am. And I accept them how they are, which meant finding more neurodiverse people 
that got me, right? Mm -hmm. And since I've made that commitment to myself that it's not that I'm not a good friend, I just was finding people that didn't understand me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Now that I found my tribe, which is other people like me, I have no problem with friendship. Yeah. You think of that. It's kind of interesting. I just say that because some people feel like, well, I don't have any friends. Well, I didn't either because I was looking in the wrong places, trying to team up with people that were never going to get me. What do you think? I am in that camp with you as we change over time and our interests and, you know, things that we've left behind as we grow and change. Sometimes the people also have to grow and change. We have to let those people behind and make new connections. And you're right. It's not easy to find new friends uh, when you move to a different place, either emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, or physically move, but it's, it's so critical. And for men and women to have friends beyond their spouses or their significant others is really important. And it's not easy, but worth the effort, I, I would guarantee. And I, I think, you know, going back to your original thesis of this talk about living a joyful life, it's easier to make friends and be friends if you're in a more balanced state in your autonomic nervous system. And if you're joyful, if you have that kind of light coming out of you that makes other people say, Oh, I I wonder what her secret is. Yeah. I would bet. Yeah. So, so maybe the first step is trying to get more in balance and find those things that make us happy And from there, it will be easier to find friends that are also doing that work and willing to meet us where we are. Yes. And that also means, as you've alluded to, deciding to keep distance or deciding not to choose certain people. I used to let everybody choose me. Yeah. I never went and chose anybody. If somebody lashed down to me, I'd be like, okay, sounds good. I'm very particular now. I have neighbors. I have, you know, people that really want to spend time, but I can just tell from the beginning, it's going to be a facade. We're going to have to be fake. We're not going to be able to get real. And I don't have the energy for that in my face. Yes. (laughs) Not to be rude, but I just don't. And it's hard for those of us who are very empathetic and are open to listening to people and want to help, want to be there as comfort and somebody to talk to. It's very hard sometimes to say, I I don't have time or I have to put boundaries up. Yeah. That's, that's a whole nother discussion. (laughs) Yeah. That should be another. (laughs) So, One of the the things about season five, Leslie, that I want to get out there is for the normal people, not all the yoga people, which is great too. We love you. We're still here together, but I want the yoga people to be able to hand a copy of the podcast to a friend who's struggling with depression that never understood that yoga might be the answer. So one of the things I'd like to understand is I know you say on your website and you have so many beautiful free videos on your website talking about all of this, but you say, maybe we can discuss how imperfect I still am and how (laughs) I struggle daily and how I have, you know, all these things that are still hard in my life. And I also have this lightness, this joyfulness simultaneously. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, I'd love to. I mean, I I could talk about yoga until the cows come home, first of all, but most people don't want to listen because <laughs> they say, oh, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible enough, or I can't do yoga because I don't have the clothes, or I can't do yoga because I'm X, fill it in the blank. And What I want to make sure people understand is you don't need any of that. I am 63 years old. I'm overweight. I still like my glass of wine sometimes more than I should. I still eat ice cream more than I should. I still go shopping sometimes, but I know that at any point in time, 
despite all of my little dysfunctions and imperfections that I can be compassionate with myself about that, that I'm human and be, if I'm aware and able to curb those, some scars, this is not a word we want to use with the general public, but those behaviors that look to external sources to make me feel better that I still, that still comes, but I know in my heart that I can always come back to my heart, to my joyful, central inner wisdom and find that joy in much more satisfying way than any of that external stuff. And I can be more empathetic with other people too, and kinder. That's, you know, that's why I'm giving away these tools. I want anybody that can see Facebook to see how easy it is, that it's simple, that you can do it and you can get benefit from it. And there's nothing that I want more in my life than to accomplish that and to help people understand that they can learn these ancient tools of yoga to live more joyfully, not, you're not going to be jumping around super duper happy all the time, but it's a little, a little more joy, (laughs) a little magic every day. I had this realization. I too am not perfect not surprisingly. And usually when I get into one of my workaholic cycles, I get depleted and notice, oh, more caffeine. Oh, more sugar. Oh, more TJ Maxx. Oh, you know, like it it just, I can see myself starting to use the external things to try to nourish myself because I've become so depleted. Mm -hmm. So that might be another benefit is, is seeing the patterns in action. Like after we just had a nine day module for our yoga therapy school. And usually after a nine day module, I'm I'm rewarding myself at TJ Maxx, like, oh, I should go get new towels, a new rug, or, you know, new bed spreads or whatever. Just as like, you worked hard, honey, you you can go do something nice for yourself. But this time I really thought, I don't want to fill up from the outside. I want to see if I can replenish myself using yoga nidra, using warm baths and oil and nourishing foods. You don't feel like it at that point. You're just like, just get me to TJ Maxx. I'll feel better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it, it was really interesting to, to basically say, no, I'm going to try a different behavior to see if I can nourish myself. Now that doesn't mean I can never go to TJ Maxx again. It just means I wanted to see if I could do it from the inside instead of the outside. Yeah. And the more you do that and you see a good result, the more that good result gets connected to that behavior. And you say, I want to feel better. So I'll do a little yoga nidra. <laughs> I'll take a bath instead of grab that cookie or glass of wine. And those connections start to become stronger and stronger. And the behaviors, some of them start to fall away and become less urgent. I don't know. It's It's been magic. I mean... I think that's been what what you just described has been my biggest positive thing that's happened through my yoga studies and yoga practice is right there that it's almost like a replacement theory that instead of this, I can do this. It's free. It's nourishing. It's not going to have negative side effects. It's, you know, as you said in the beginning, it's so empowering to have that choice to say, I'm going to go put oil on my body. We call that an abhyanga oil massage where you just kind of nicely put oil on your arms and legs and tummy and booty and hands and feet. And then you climb in the bath for an hour. I mean, talk about nourishment. Yeah. So Leslie, is there anything else you want to talk about this, this joy thing? Because I feel like that's your essence. Well, ever since I met you and I saw you day after day after day in our programs, <laughs> this woman is, 
she is joyful. She is stable. You are, you just emanate this kind of quiet contentment. What can I say about it? I mean, the transformation of the woman that I was before I learned about this was someone who was treated for depression, who had eating disorders and an alcohol problem and had back pain and joint pain. And I went shopping to feel better and I felt unworthy and empty and had these feelings of abandonment and helplessness and hopelessness. I was functioning. I was raising a family, but when things went wrong, I wanted to blame somebody else and the transformation of, and it, and it's gradual, you know, at, as you do your yoga over and over, these things are gradual, these little changes, but they turn into, I'm 63. Now I started practicing yoga maybe when I was 30 something over that number of years and thousands of hours of training and thousands of hours of practice. This is what it has brought me. And, and I know no matter what, I mean, I had two parents dying at the same time and yoga kept me centered doing whatever I could in that next moment, that next breath. I kept saying, who knows what's going to happen in the next breath and just take it that one breath. My family was like, how can you be so calm? It's like, what? I have choice. I choose to be calm and yoga brings me that. So and that's why it's so amazing. And it's from my own personal experience of the huge transformation that yoga can bring to anyone who can breathe and is conscious. The thing that stood out to me and all of that, first of all, you, you must be my twin, <laughs> all the <laughs> Uh, areas of suffering. But the other thing that you said that I, I think is really interesting is you have a choice. And I just want to say from my perspective, and you can comment too, it's not like willpower, like, oh, I have to do this or be this or act calm. It's not that. It's that through your daily preventative practice, you have gotten your nervous system and your mind in a state that it can actually handle more stress, that it can have this self-empowerment of choice, right? The choice isn't a cognitive one. It's more that you have been able through your daily practice to set yourself up to maybe be non-reactive or to, you know, because that's a physiological thing as much as it is a cognitive thing. Yes, I, I've always felt that there was a better way than willpower to change habits. And I can tell you from my own experience that there was a time when I had to have a Diet Coke or I had to have a cigarette or I had to have a drink or I had to have some ice cream and sugar. And as I progressed through my yoga and each one of those things fell away, I don't want if somebody handed me one of those, not the sugar and the wine, but the, the cigarette or the diet call, oh, I don't want it anymore. There's no willpower involved in that. And some of the other things, as you were talking about in your podcast the other day, it's a conscious choice to say, I am going to go shopping because I love to look at shiny things and I'm going to do it because it's going to be a nice thing to do. Or I'm going to have that glass of wine at this beautiful dinner and I'm going to enjoy it. And it's not a compulsive choice. It's a choice choice. And then I'm going to notice how it makes me feel afterwards. So that it's not willpower. Right. You start to not want the things that don't make you feel joyful. Beautifully said. And you start to notice I, I, in the beginning of the pandemic, I started drinking some wine at night, which was unlike me, but at some point, I guess my body got uh, used to it because it didn't feel like it was really affecting me. But then when I got cancer, I was like, no more alcohol. And now if I even try to drink 
a half a glass of wine, I feel sick. I feel like it's poison. So, you know, our systems must adjust to these things. And once your system isn't used to having that behavior, whatever it is, your system is more balanced. And it's like, no, that doesn't feel good. And nobody ever told me that. I just thought it was always going to be a struggle that oh, I can't have what I want, sugar or whatever it is for the day. But I'm, I love this message of there will come a time where you won't even want that. Right. And that, that's an awareness thing. Mm-hmm. And that's yoga is so involved in being aware of how you feel. Yeah. I remember going on certain diets and being like, this isn't fair. How come so-and-so can eat that and be so thin? And I can't. And I came to understand, like, we all have those things that somebody else can do and get away with and we can't. And that's just life. That's not unfair. That's just reality. (laughs) Well, Leslie, any last joyful wrap up that you want to share with us? Oh, gosh. Not to put you on the spot. No, (laughs) no. Just to know that all of us are empowered, that change is inevitable, but we have the ability, we have the power to affect the direction of change in our lives. So things, wherever you are now, things are going to change and you have the power to affect the direction of the change in your life to something you want and you can start to empower yourself with new practices. I have this imagination that my heart directs my brain rather than the other way around. And that anything I've ever done with my heart being the director has been the right choice. And we have the ability to connect more with that inner wisdom and make choices from that place to affect the the direction that our life is changing. And that that is the power and the magic of yoga. And we all have it inside of ourselves there. Thank you for sharing that message of hope with us today. And I hope that everyone listening really takes that in. It's a profound teaching that we all have this within and it may be hard to find. It may be hard to access. We may have high allostatic load. We may have real difficulties in our life. This is not a spiritual bypass. Those things are real and you still have it in there. So thank you, Leslie, for being with us today. I just want to show your website because you are a marketing genius woman. I don't know if you realize that about yourself. It seems to me that you're marketing both on Instagram and here's the website, www.yogalesley.com, Y-O-G-A-L-E-S-L-I-E.com. I feel like your marketing is just from your heart, meaning you've just gone in and wrote about what makes you happy and, and how you came to be who you are and how you can help other people. And maybe that's the best marketing out there. And I also love about you that you have so many free things, both on Instagram, as well as on your website. There's just so many videos on your website with all these different tools. And, you know, you could spend a whole day just watching videos on your website. (laughs) I don't want to leave anything inside when I die, Amy. I want it all to be out there. (laughs) thank you so much for being with us today well thank you for everything you do amy thank you well i think it's safe to say that leslie has been able to find her superpower to hone in on it and is sharing it with the world nothing makes me more joyful inside than to see someone who's been able to manage that Like, I think that's why we're here. That's what self-actualization means is that we're just taking these tiny little steps towards knowing who we are and getting comfortable with who we are. And, you know, Leslie was just wrapping up with this idea. I always have these infographics. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this, this idea that I call the trajectory of life. 
where on this one line over here, it says current trajectory of your life. And then tiny, tiny, tiny little changes take us in a new direction. And at the base of this infographic, it doesn't take much change to point the arrow in a new direction. And if you follow that arrow out that has been just shifted a tiny bit at the base, you'll see that you'll have a very different life 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now due to those tiny little changes. And for me, this is a message of hope because it doesn't mean I have to revamp my whole life. I don't have to start over. I don't have to do things that are overwhelming that I can't handle with my current allostatic load. I just need to try to make one tiny better decision at a time. So this morning, I realized that I've been stressed out lately and that I've been having some caffeine and it hasn't been serving me. <laughs> I go in and out of caffeine and here I am again, finding myself back on caffeine and even a half a cup of coffee or one cup of coffee that has half caffeinated, half regular, it doesn't serve me. My nervous system doesn't agree with that. So this morning I said to my husband, honey, I'm making all decaf and I'm going to have tea most of the day. So one cup of decaf coffee and then non-caffeinated tea. I said, if you need something different, you know, feel free to make it. But I just wanted to tell you that what's in the French press is not caffeinated. That's what we mean by, I decided not to feel anxious today. I decided not to put my nervous system in a situation where it's going to take three to four hours to wear off and I'm to feel normal again. That tiny little change is enough. And I, I might have caffeine in three days and that's okay. But then on the fourth day, I might say, yeah, I'm going to go back to decaf today. This is yoga. This is clearing our lens, trying to have better perception or more close perception and, and to watch how our daily habits and choices are affecting us. And on those days that we completely fall off the wagon, which happens very often, to say, wow, okay, that didn't feel good. A couple nights ago, I ate at eight o'clock at night and I did not feel good and I didn't sleep well because I don't usually eat that late. Not a problem, not a shaming moment, but just to say, yeah, that didn't feel too good. I don't think I want to do that. So through this kind of awareness, and, and I'm the first to acknowledge that you have to have a certain baseline of stability to even be able to watch these things. If you're in survival mode, it's really hard. I taught at a university that completely put me in dysregulation for 25 years. And on those days that I came home from university after teaching 400 kids, there was no awareness. There couldn't be any awareness. It was survival. But my dear husband helped me to understand that it's okay if I didn't talk to him. He would have dinner ready for me. If I wanted a bath drawn, he would make sure that was happening. He would make sure that he got the Epsom salts at Costco, right? That he could understand like, yeah, those days there's nothing left for me and I can help her, right? Thank goodness for that. So maybe there's someone in your life or maybe you could put the word out there for someone to be in your life that's willing to help you get to that baseline level of regulation where then you have a little more choice, a little more clear perception. And again, we all fall off the wagon over and over and over, but you know, just to give some ideas about where to start. And I know when I was working at the university for those 25 years, no matter what I did, I couldn't stay regulated. I mean, I would work on Tuesdays and Thursdays and sometimes Fridays. And I just kind of knew like those days were not going to be good for me, but that's what I had signed up for. But then on the other days, maybe I could have a little more regulation. So just to say there's hope, it's tiny, tiny little changes over time. It's being compassionate and empathetic with yourself as Leslie had mentioned today, and just working towards your natural state of joy a little bit at a time. That's it. 
So I leave you with that message. And, you know, one thing that you could do if you were interested, you could go to Leslie's website. And I know she does online Zoom classes. You might want to take some classes with her. And we also at Optimal State have Monday night what I call the yoga therapy clinic. And each month has a different topic. This month we're doing insomnia. Next month, which is June, 2023, we're going to do an inflammation series because so much of heart disease and diabetes and all sorts of you know blood pressure problems and high cholesterol, a lot of it is due to inflammation. So we're gonna do a whole series on inflammation. So feel free to come to www.amywheeler.com and up in the menu, you can see yoga therapy clinic and just check out if you want to join us for a four-part series and every month has a different topic. We would love to see you there. All right, everyone. We will talk next week. Have a great evening or day. A special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria. And Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.